Um, the title this morning for today's message is uh, A 316 Christmas and Beyond. A 316 Christmas and Beyond. This is a, a series that we've been going through. We're taking some of these verses that have the 316 on them. And of course, they're gospel-centric, and we're going to go through one this morning. It'll be 1 Timothy 3.16. Again, 1 Timothy 3.16. So if you get there, put a thumb there or, or mark it, and then we'll have you, uh, we'll, I'll have you stand up in, in a few minutes' time. So again, 1 Timothy 3.16. The name of the sermon this morning is A 3.16 Christmas and uh, Beyond. You know, it was just a few years ago, uh, I was invited out to uh, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, to speak for a dear friend of mine. His name is uh, Pat Nemers. Uh, he's spoken here many times. Godly man. Louise and I have come to really love and appreciate him and his wife, uh, Marilyn. So it was out in Des Moines, Iowa. He says, come on out and uh, just share your testimony uh, with our men. Uh, we're doing this big men's event called the Steak and Corn thing, and hundreds of, men's come out, hundreds of men come out, and they just talk about what Jesus Christ is doing in the life of some of the new converts, if you will, and then, of course, the gospel presentation is given. And uh, as I began to introduce myself to many of the people, they're very friendly. Uh, they became very fascinated that uh, I was somebody living and breathing from the state of California. They'd heard all about people from California. I could tell how fascinated they were, so I opened up my talk with them by just saying, hey, I've known, I know that you've heard a lot of things about California. I just want you to know that everything you heard about California is true. And... Uh, that seemed to get them to lean in a little bit. But eventually I got to sharing with them my personal testimony. And God, by His just amazing grace, saw to it that He would use my testimony to bring to a saving faith a scientist, a businessman who happened to be in the crowd on that, on that, that evening. Uh, I was encouraged uh, by what God did. And it was certainly buoyed my faith up. That, that happens when someone comes with saving faith. You're encouraged because you see the fruit of something. And... and I should be encouraged because what does God's word say in Revelation 12, 11? It says, and by the word of their testimony, and by the word of their testimony. In other words, we've got to share our testimony, and God uses the testimony of those who've been truly regenerated to bring people to a saving faith. It's important, and we need to do more of that in the life of our church. But I was also familiar with Romans 10, 14 through 15, and it says this, and how can they believe, talking about unbelievers, how can they unbelieve without hearing about and how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Isn't that true? How beautiful it is, the feet of those who bring the good news, the good news of the gospel. We're celebrating Christmas today. We're talking about the good news about Jesus who came into this world, Emmanuel, God with us. So with a new hitch in my giddy-up, if you will, I, asked, uh, I was asked uh, by someone in our church if, they would, if I would meet with this person who had been coming to our church for a few months. They said, Pastor, you've got to meet with this particular guy. And again, I was riding high. We're seeing people come to a saving faith. This wasn't the only one, but I was feeling good about some things. So again, here's the, the, the backdrop that this man's been coming, a younger man's been coming for about two months. He was very curious. He was asking very inquisitive questions. I would say he was very intellectual. I would say he's extremely intellectual. And he was trying to reconcile with what he had been taught in, in school with what I was actually teaching from the pulpit. And again, as he was reconciling this, he was very gracious about it, but clearly some things did not line up, so we wanted to talk about it. The person that brought him to church 
uh, long had since been able to answer some of his questions. Again, another reason why I was brought in to meet with him. So as he came to my office, I said, answer some of his questions, and I asked him if he'd be open to meeting for about four weeks' time. He agreed. So for about four weeks, I took him through creation. I took him through corruption, Christ, the cross, and of course, I gave and shared my personal testimony uh, with this young man. On week three, he comes into my office, and believe me, I didn't think it was going that great, by the way. I thought it was going good, but not great, but I was answering this question. On week three, he came to my office, and he said, Pastor, I have examined, I have examined all of the evidence that you've given me, and I would like to give my life to Jesus Christ. This is what he told me, okay? Uh, before you say awesome, just know that it didn't end that way, okay? So kind of stick a pin in this for a second, right? But that's what he had, he had told me. As I celebrated this with him, I gave him information on, on believer's baptism and what it meant. I, I told him how he could join the church. I was able to identify a mentor for him to help him to grow as a believer. He agreed to everything that I shared with him. But shortly after this, I'd become, I would become familiar with a verse I did not want to become familiar with. I'll read it to you. It's out of Romans 10, 16. But not all obeyed the gospel. But not all obeyed the gospel. Brothers and sisters, I am going to finish that story at the end of my sermon today to tell you exactly what happened. So today we take a look at another 3.16 in the Bible. Last week we looked at John 3.16. Today we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3.16. And this is a verse that tells us what God has done. That's in the first half, what God has done. And then the second half of the verse goes on to tell us what we're to do about it. So the first this week we're going to talk about what God has done. Next week we're going to talk about what we're to do about it. So this is the testimony, if you will, of Jesus Christ. This is, this is God's Word. It testifies of a baby who has come into the world and because indeed a baby was born, Emmanuel, God with us. That is why we celebrate today. That's why we sing some of the songs that were selected today, that it's Christmas time. So I would like to tell each and every one of you, Merry Christmas. Indeed, Emmanuel, God is with us. So with that in view, one of Please stand, and as a congregation, we're going to read God's Word together. Again, 1 Timothy 3, 16. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and then taken up into glory. So reads God's holy and inerrant word. You may be seated. What a powerful verse. Some scholars would say this, that this verse, uh, they would say that the Apostle Paul in this verse is quoting an ancient hymn. Some would, a lot of them would say that's what this is. Some scholars would say this verse constitutes a, a confession of faith, which the early church recited often so this is a hymn if this is a hymn that's sung by the early church that would thing if this is a creed or a confession that was recited each week that would be a good thing all of these things are good things are they both things i really don't know we don't really know exactly 
what it is that they did with it. We don't know. There's a lot of opinions on it. However, what we do know for sure is the verse itself is crystal clear. The verse is clear. It's crystal clear. And it's broken up for us or broken down for us in six lines. Okay, So this is going to really come alive to you. So it's broken up in six lines. I'm going to really put the, cookie, the cookies on the lower shelf for you. So line one, take a look at it. He was manifested in the flesh. Okay, If you look at your verse, that's what it says. He was manifested in the flesh. He was manifested in the flesh. Flesh. Line two. He was vindicated in the spirit. Line three. He was seen by angels. Line four. He was preached among the nations. Line five. He was believed on in the world. And line six. He was taken up in glory. What do we have there, folks? We got the gospel again in miniature. This is the gospel. This is the gospel for us in this tight verse that some would say would be a bit obscure if you think it's obscure that's good now you know it's not obscure right? it's no longer a mystery to you right so this week we're going to take a deep dive into the first three lines of this beautiful verse and then the following week next week we're going to look at the remaining three lines that's how much is packed into this verse so paul starts out the verse by saying there is a great mystery did you notice that there's a great mystery. And look at it. It says, and most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. A mystery is something that human reason could not figure out. That's what a mystery is. It's, it's something you can't figure out. This is a mystery that needs to be revealed, right? We need the revelator. We need to understand, right? But a secret, this is a, a, a secret, if you will, until God reveals it to His people. Right? So it's a mystery until it's revealed to God's people. But you see, according to this text, according to the Bible that you have in your hands, we know this. But this mystery is no longer hidden from us. It has been revealed because this mystery has been, again, first three lines, has been manifested in the flesh has been vindicated in the Spirit, and has been seen by angels. It has been revealed. Who? The personhood. The second member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is being revealed to us. This mystery is Jesus Christ. The One who has been revealed to the entire world. The mystery that I speak of this morning is the answer to life. People seem to be looking for an answer. If I only knew this one thing, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is in Jesus Christ. He is the meaning of life. He is why we exist. He is why we move. He is why we breathe. The mystery is the answer to the meaning of life. But this mystery does not equate to being difficult to understand. It's not meant to be digital. It's not meant to be an algebra problem for you this morning. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, is simply stating that this is, a, this is something of supreme significance. That these are the facts that God has come into the world. He's come into this world as a baby. And God has sent His precious Son as a gift to us. A gift to us. The Scripture declares that all that hear the Word of God are to open up this gift of God. 
the Scriptures declare this morning, don't leave metaphorically this gift under the tree when you hear the glorious Gospel. That God is calling all men and all women to respond to the good news, the hope of the Gospel, which is Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. There is no other way of salvation. Only through Jesus Christ. God has sent His Son. This gracious gift, this kind gift was given to us by God and He gives it to us freely. But it was a costly it says in 1 Timothy 3.16, He was manifested in the flesh. You see that's line one. He was manifested in the flesh. Already we're talking about what? We're seeing the Trinity on display here. That God, that Jesus is claiming that He's God. That He's God's Son, but He's ultimately God. More on that in a moment. He was manifested in the flesh. Manifested means He appeared to us. He's come to us. He's come to us like a normal person would come. How do normal people come? They come by way of a mom. The Virgin Mary, right? He comes to us like a normal human being. God has come into this world just like you were born. You know, this Jesus Christ we speak of this morning, according to what we know about Him in His his Word, speaking about this verse, He he knew the joys of of, of having having a family surrounding Him. We know about his brothers. We know about his life. We know about the pain that he suffered. We know about the family conflict and dynamics that were going on in his life. My goodness. Wasn't it James who didn't even believe that he was Jesus Christ, God's Son? Did he not believe that? He did not see and believe until afterwards. Many disowned him. Many did not believe there was conflict, but he knew joy, he knew pain, he knew what it meant to be in pain. He understood the sting of rejection. Some of you are in the room this morning and you understand the sting of rejection and you're feeling that. Because Christmas, you know that Jesus is your Lord, but there are just times where you feel alone, that your life does not look the way you thought it would look like, and I want you to know today that you are in the right place this morning. You're in the right place this morning. Christians hurt. Christians can go through pain. It's not abnormal. It doesn't mean you're less of a Christian than somebody else that's not in pain. But the Lord is asking all of us that are His to come and lean into Him and trust Him. The Bible says, come to me all ye who are weary and need a drink. Those of you that are thirsty, come to the throne room of grace this morning. But He understood what it was like to live on this earth, to feel the sting of rejection, the sorrow that would follow. He understood life because Jesus lived life. He came to us. He came to us. Number two, it says, vindicated in the Spirit. He was vindicated in the Spirit. Who? Jesus. Vindicated in the Spirit. What's that all about? If you were to look up the dictionary, a worldly dictionary, I guess you would say, the word vindicated means to clear one's name. To clear one's name. I want to be vindicated. I want my name cleared. It means to be acquitted of crimes against you. You go into a courtroom if you're innocent. You want to be acquitted of the crimes against you. You want to be vindicated. Vindication proves that you're right about something. That is what the definition would teach us. But brothers and sisters, Jesus did not come to this earth to clear His name. He entered into this world. He entered into this world sinless. He exited this world sinless. And He came to clear our names not His. He came on purpose. He knew what He was doing. It was a rescue mission. He came to give a gift to people who needed the gift, but many will say, I don't want the gift. 
I'll go about it on my own. I'll take my chances. He comes to vindicate people who need to be vindicated. Who? The entire world. The world needs to be vindicated. All are with sin. All have fallen short short of the glorious standard, which is perfection. We need to be vindicated. He came to clear our names. We're the only ones who need to be vindicated. Yet, we see, not yet, but verse 5, Romans 5, 9 says this on that same thought process. Here's a cross-reference. Since therefore... We have now been justified. Another word for justified is vindicated. Since therefore we have now been vindicated by His blood. This is something that's happened. You, you want to be vindicated? According to Romans 5.9, it says, since, there, since therefore we have now been vindicated by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. This ransom mission that God comes to this earth to rescue us, to vindicate a people who need to be vindicated. We are the ones that need to be vindicated. We are the ones who needed our sins to be atoned for or paid for. That is the Christmas story. That Jesus enters into this earth to do what? To ransom us. To give us the hope of eternal life. To spend eternity with Him. To have our sins omitted. That Christ would be the propitiation for our sins. That is the Christmas story. Having said that, this message, this Gospel message will go out today. It will go out in many a Sundays and many a days in the days and weeks and years to come if the Lord does not come back soon. Many will understand that Jesus is God's Son. Many will clearly understand and articulate and be able to articulate why God sent His Son. Many people know the Gospel story. They can share it with you. That Jesus is God in the flesh. But brothers and sisters, it's not what we do. It's not what we know. It's what we do with what we know. That we have to repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus Christ. More in that in a moment. But again, the, the line says, again, line number two in this verse, vindicated in the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, Jesus was vindicated according to Matthew 17.5. He was vindicated by the Spirit at His baptism. Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit at the transfiguration, Matthew 17.2. Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit at the resurrection, Romans 1.3-4. Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit at the ascension, John 16.10. He didn't need to be, but He was. But brothers and sisters, we know what Jesus did. Many of you do. And that's good. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. He's a holy and and righteous God. He's a just judge. But we're the ones that need to be vindicated. The testimony of Jesus going to a cross. I mean, we can have a testimony for a lot of things. You can testify how you handle conflict. I can testify that this person handles conflict well. Steve and Jennifer, do they handle conflict well? Ron Gallerini, do they handle conflict well? Melinda, how does she handle conflict? We can, we, can, we can be examined by a lot of different things uh, in, in, in our lives. A lot of things will give testimony to what you believe to be true. So Jesus, as you know, He goes to this cross. 
if you could just go there for a moment. He goes willingly to this cross. And on that cross, you may recall, he starts having a conversation with a thief. Do you remember that? Are you there now in your mind? While he's having this conversation with the thief, we also know as that scene flashes by, we also know that according to Scripture, Jesus begins to cry out to God on the cross. He says to him, Father, forgive them, those who were heckling him, those who were spitting on him, those who are saying, look at you now, do something with yourself. If you really are the Son of God, do something, vindicate yourself. That wasn't exactly what was said, but I think we can grab an interpretation there that wouldn't be out of bounds. Prove it to us. Give us signs and miracles. You know that in the Bible, when signs and miracles would take place over and over and over and over again, the people just wanted more miracles. They didn't want Jesus. They said, give me another miracle. We live in a world right now that wants miracle, 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 miracle. The greatest miracle that's ever happened was Jesus Christ going to a cross who willingly gave up his life for you. The greatest miracle is that the mystery has been revealed to you, that you know who Jesus Christ is. We don't need miracles. We need to read our Bibles and do what it says. Brothers and sisters, the greatest thing that we can do to honor Christ is to not just read the Bible, but do what it says. Obey what we know. And the Bible says if we're truly regenerated, we have the power and the Spirit within us to obey what He's asking us to do. But we can't do it alone. We can't do it on willpower. We need the Spirit's power. And everybody who's been regenerated, everyone who's a Christian, has a new Spirit in them. And that new Spirit will do what? It will lead us to honor God. We will begin to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. Not because of what we've done, but because of this new spirit that's been regenerated in us. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to take heed to God's Word this morning. The testimony of Jesus Christ. He goes to the cross. And he says, for, again, Luke twenty-two thirty-four. Jesus on the cross says, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Brothers and sisters, if I'm on that cross... Number one, I'm coming down from that cross and I'm going to smack everybody in the face. I don't have this type of discipline. I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get myself vindicated, right? Because that's how I'm wired ugly sometimes, isn't it? But not our Jesus. Praise God. Jesus came there for a purpose. He would not come off mission. He would not be distracted. He would not come down because man said to come down. Think about it, that Jesus Christ, this is God, the same God who allowed that put those lips on those men who were cursing him is the same God that could have done anything that he wanted at any time, and he chooses to stay on the cross. Brothers and sisters, as you heard many times before, it was not nails that kept Jesus to that tree. It was love, his love for a people who needed to be vindicated. Brothers and sisters, that is the Christmas story. We needed to be vindicated. But this Jesus, the way he behaved himself, the way that his, his mannerism, the way that as he, as he went to that cross, the way that he suffered, the way that he bled, the way that he cried out, all of this was on display. Many who were watching this were impacted by it. The time would come when Jesus would breathe, breathe his last on that tree. Jesus said the words, it is finished. My people have been vindicated. Who's his people? Those who would repent of their sins and place their faith in him. The evidence of our salvation is not that what? That we believe. The evidence of our salvation is that we will finish what He started. In other words, there needs to be evidence, not by works, lest no man should boast. But someone that's truly regenerated loves God. And there's evidence of it. 
who was impacted. Matthew 27, 54 says this, when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus, they saw the earthquake and the things that had happened and they were terrified and they said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Powerful. They see that Jesus is the Son of God. How would they come to this conclusion? Jesus was testifying to who He is. Brothers and sisters, let me help all of us with something, your pastor included. When we live our lives needing to be vindicated by those who have sinned against us, we are essentially demanding justice this side of eternity. We're demanding it. Lord, I, we may not say it this way, but, but Lord, I need to be vindicated. Brothers and sisters, that is a fool's game. The gift of Jesus Christ, this gift that was given to us, this Emmanuel God with us, this, this gift is not going to keep you from all your troubles. The Bible says you will have troubles. That's what God's Word says. The gift of Jesus is simply this that your sins have been atoned for. And now, when the troubles come, and they're coming, baby, those troubles can be cast upon Christ. That He will carry your load. We sometimes try to take the load away from Him, but we always know that we're to give it back to Him because that is obedience, that God will carry the load. He will do the heavy lifting. Some of you are tired carrying your own load. And the Lord is saying, come to Me. Are you weary? Are you thirsty? Are you tired? Have you finally given up? It's a beautiful thing to give up. Give up. Give it to Christ. You don't need to be vindicated this side of eternity, but know this, there's a day coming, there's a reckoning coming where you will be vindicated. That God will see to it that justice will occur because God, according to God's Word, is a just judge. He's righteous. He's the most honest judge you'll ever come in contact with. Trust me, that shouldn't be too hard. Uh, in this world, right? But He really is just. He really is who He says that He is. That He's, that he's upright. That He's holy. And He will justify His people. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, the Bible teaches us that He is our advocate. That He, Jesus, literally sits at the right hand of God the Father and He prays for us. He petitions for us. Do you realize that? In your day of trouble, in your day of turmoil, in your day, maybe right now, Jesus is praying for you. He's your advocate. We become His people, and He becomes our God on that day of salvation. Not because of what we did, but because of what He has done. Going to a cross, taking, his sin, taking our sins upon Himself, and then resurrecting Himself from the dead three days later. Brothers and sisters, the tomb has empty. It is empty. So what have we learned so far from this verse? That the mystery has been revealed. Jesus Christ is God's Son. That He was manifested in the flesh. And He was vindicated in the Spirit. And now we see, according to Line 4, that He was seen by angels. This is significant. This is very important. He was seen by angels. Seen, this is the 
word in which we get our word eyeball. Okay? This is where we get it. Jesus was eyeballed by the angels, as Ray Stedman said. They had watched him. The angels had watched Jesus all the time. They were obviously studying him. That was the idea in, in this verse here. The Bible teaches us that angels were present at the birth of Jesus. We were singing about angels. The angels were present at the birth of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that angels were singing when that baby was placed into that manger in that cold and dirty barn. The angels were singing. The Bible teaches us that the angels were with Him and provided strength to Him. To who? Jesus, during the 40 days in that, that 40 days of temptation that we read about, right? He was being tempted by Satan, but the angels were, were there. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was in agony, and as he began to pray, he prayed, and drops of blood began to fall from his face in the Garden of Gethsemane. Scripture teaches us that the angels were there. The Bible teaches us that the angels stood at the tomb of Jesus. Do you remember that account? Over oh, brothers and sisters, I'm giving a lot of attention to the angels. The Scripture speaks to it, but let me, let me just be real clear here. Uh, the, the star of this show is Jesus. You see, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible is a story about God. It's a story about God. Everything points to Him. And this Jesus Christ who came, He came to give us this gift. Is it a gift that you have opened? Is it a gift that you have received? Or is it a gift that you're still considering the bible teaches that angels stood at the tomb of jesus the bible teaches us that angels watched him ascend into glory as they sent the disciples back into jerusalem angels are amazing in god's word you see these angels they they, they knew the power of jesus they, they knew his majesty they, they knew his greatness but they did not know about his forgiving love they didn't know Jesus was seen by angels. Has He been seen by you? Has He been seen by you? Have you laid your eyes upon Jesus? Some of you are saying, this is familiar. Uh, I've heard this sermon before. It sounds like the Gospel I've heard 15 times in my grandpa's church in Oklahoma or, my, or whatever. Okay, you know the Gospel. Praise the Lord. But have you laid eyes on Jesus and have you opened the gift that He gives? At the beginning of my sermon, I told you about a young man. This man who was inquisitive. He was curious about Jesus. He was intellectual. He was highly smart. I mean, he's smart. okay. And I, and I thought he was a, was a good guy, by the way. I really enjoyed having a conversation with him. We had many conversations. Again, as I shared with you, we started our conversation with the creation account in Genesis. We walked through how, how sin entered into man, talking about Adam and Eve in that garden. We talked about how when sin entered into man, that the Lord had said that the world was now under a curse, that you can expect a lot of bad things to happen in this world. You see, people forget that. When people say, what do bad things happen to good people? We forget what God's Word says. God's Word says there are no good people, just people that are sinful like you and I. The Bible tells us clearly that, that this world is under a curse. So why do we think that bad things aren't going to happen? But we talked about that. Creation. 
about how sin entered into man. Again, he wanted to know, and it was one of his questions, why do bad things happen to good people? Most people ask that question. It's one of the top one, two, or three questions anybody would ask. Why would a loving God send anybody to hell? Why does bad things happen to good people? But I let him know, according to Romans 10, too, that there are no good people, just sinners who've broken God's law, and now they're in need of a Savior, hence why Jesus was born. After three weeks of meeting with this young man face to face, this young man said to me that he wanted to repent of his sins and place his faith in Jesus Christ. I shared that with you. He understood that Jesus had the authority to take away his sins and to make him righteous or justified before God. He knew these things. He knew them. We put the plan together for him to be baptized. We put the plan together for him to join the church. We put the plan together for someone to mentor him as I shared with you earlier. However, in the weeks and the months that followed, something began to change with this young man. His church attendance began to decline. We're not saved by our church attendance. But we noticed that it was starting to decline. He went from weekly attending services and being plugged in to coming every other week. Hey, Satan will always keep you busy and away from the house of God. But it was no longer a priority. You know, he said what most people would say. Maybe you have said this. I know I have. Well, I've just been really tired. You know, work has been overwhelming. Who doesn't have work that's overwhelming? Everybody does. I'm tired. The job is stressful. My family's stressful. Everything's stressful. Anybody feeling me? He then began to share, well, no, it's actually worse. I actually have this issue now and this issue now. And all of it could have been true. But I just described many of your lives right now. Then eight months later, he stopped coming to our church. He stopped reaching out to those who were reaching out for him, who wanted to care for his soul. And after three years, we had an event in our church just a few weeks ago. I invited him to come. And he... He responded this time. His words, and I quote, I really appreciate you and the church. However, I want you to know that I'm no longer a Christian. Well, brothers and sisters, here's a question that I have for you. I just want you to consider it. Was he ever a Christian? I would say no, as the Bible teaches us. In 1 John 2.19, allow me to read it to you. They went out from us. This young man went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. This young man had the mystery revealed to him, just like you have had it revealed to you. He understood that Jesus was manifested in the flesh. He understood that Jesus was seen by angels. He understood that Jesus was vindicated. He vindicated us. And He Himself was vindicated. And He didn't need to be. He understood what you understand. However, in this particular story, it's sad. Because He took this gift. He unwrapped the gift metaphorically. He examined the gift. He considered the gift. However, he decided after looking at the gift and examining the gift, he decided to put the gift back under the tree because he realized something, that this gift was going to cost him something. And Jesus wasn't worth it. You see, he liked Jesus. 
but he didn't love Jesus. Is that you this morning? If you were to stand in front of God this morning and you knew that it was, it was time, you're going to stand in front of God, are you going to stand in front of Him? And are you ready to meet Him? You're going to stand in front of Him. Are you ready to meet Him? We can get over on our wives. We can get over on our husbands. We can get over on our friends. We can never get over on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do you know where you'll spend eternity? Today I encourage you to consider this gift that was given to us. This baby, Jesus Christ. And understand, yes, it's the free gift of salvation. However, it was costly. This is amazing grace on display. What are you going to do with this amazing grace? So brothers and sisters, what is your testimony today? Some of you I know love Jesus Christ and you celebrate today, you sing you, you, you're, you're in that mood of like, oh, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. I rejoice. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Others have thought about it in your testimony. It doesn't include Jesus. Because you're not sure about Him. Today, I pray that the mystery has been revealed. And that today... You will trust Christ while He may still be found. The gift of God is Jesus. The gift of Jesus. The gift of God, Jesus, is for you. The gift is one that if you're given this gift, you'll never want to return it. You don't lose your salvation. Never had it to begin with. Because the evidence that one is saved is they're regenerated. And they love God. And you'll know it. Not a perfect repentance, but you'll know it. What are you going to do with this gift? If you're in Christ, celebrate His gift. Rejoice. But if you don't, I would encourage you, take the gift. Fall upon Christ. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Him. And it will be the greatest Christmas you've ever had in your life. Brothers and sisters, the Gospel is Jesus Christ has come into this world as a baby. He, was vin- he, vin- he came and He was slaughtered for our iniquity. He paid the sin price. Your sins were cast upon Jesus Christ. The full wrath of God came down on Him. He was crushed. And the Bible teaches us this, literally quote God's Word. It pleased Yahweh, it pleased God to crush Him. Why would it please God to crush His one and only Son? Because of the love that He would have, the love that He has for you. That knowing that this was the only way to make you clean, to free you, He was pleased. And He's accepted that sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The one that He's accepted. And God today is well pleased with His Son. Where is the Son? He's at the right hand of God the Father. And the day you breathe your last, you will meet Him. And it will be a glorious day. If you're in Christ as we sing this last song, sing. Sing with a heart that's hopeful no matter your circumstances. Sing with a heart that's grateful for what He's done.
that the mystery has been revealed. And if you don't know Christ, today repent and believe upon Jesus Christ. There'll be people up here ready to pray with you. Blake will be up here. Uh, Larry will be up here. Ron will be up here. My wife and I will be at the door. Let them know. If you haven't been baptized today, let somebody know, I want to be baptized. If you want to join the church today and say, I want to start taking things serious today, let somebody know. With that said, would you please stand and allow me to pray for you?